Before we start today's show, I want to invite you to join my community of SaaS founders, agency owners, and others who are sharing tips, tricks, strategies, and tactics for creating successful cold outreach campaigns. It's a free group on Facebook called Cold Outreach Mastery, and you can get there by heading over to morgandwilliams.com slash community. And if Facebook isn't your thing, but you still want valuable cold outreach advice, head on over to morgandwilliams.com slash newsletter and put in your best email to get first in line for valuable resources that I share on how you can fill your calendar with sales meetings and your pipeline with opportunities. Now, let's start today's show. If you want plug and play email templates from the eight part cold email sequence that generated a 2,061% ROI, visit morgandwilliams.com slash templates. That's M-O-R-G-A-N-D as in David, W-I-L-L-I-A-M-S dot com slash templates. Welcome to the B2B Sales Tech Podcast. This is the place where you'll find real conversations with real sales leaders about how you can leverage sales technology to get ahead of the pack. Improve your sales numbers by taking advantage of emerging technology before your competitors get there first. They'll share everything from the trends they're seeing in the marketplace to actionable strategies that you can use to make more sales today. So if you're ready for a value-packed interview, listen. And on. Here's your host, Morgan Williams. Welcome to the B2B Sales Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Morgan Williams, and today I have the pleasure of interviewing Mark Woodbury. Mark is the co-founder of Upward Exits, a white glove brokerage focused exclusively on online businesses. Their clients are successful entrepreneurs who are selling digital businesses that make over 100K annually. The team at Upward Exits uses their industry expertise to help buyers secure financing, forecast future business performance, and perform due diligence. This helps to ensure that their listings close quickly and for the appropriate valuation. Upward Exits will review your business, develop a complimentary valuation packet, create an in-depth business prospectus, screen potential buyers, and facilitate the asset migration process, as well as the capital transfer. Mark found his love for entrepreneurship and doing business online in 2012, eventually leading him to partner with his co-founder, Alex, to form Upward Exits in 2017. Before Upward Exits, Mark founded, acquired, and ran a number of online businesses throughout a variety of business models. Some ventures were successful, others were not. Mark also sits on the board of directors for three other businesses where he primarily advises on digital strategy and disposition. Mark, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. How are you doing today? I appreciate you having me on, and I'm doing real well. Awesome, man. Glad to hear it, and very interested to talk about kind of the unique business that you're in and what you get to see on a daily basis, and really excited to get started. Can you walk us through you know, your background and how it's led to what you're doing now? Yeah, yeah. That's actually one of the first questions I always ask people as well. Is when I get to know them uh, in a business setting, I want to know what led them down that path. And, you know, I, I hear a lot of stories, and I always like sharing my own as well, is like many people, I bounced around in a couple jobs in my early 20s, um, you know, moderate success, moderate happiness. Ultimately, had an itch to be self-employed, uh, didn't know where to start, didn't have any money to start, uh, a brick-and-mortar business, that is. So found my way to the internet, <laughs> where mm-hmm. you can build businesses yep. for, <laughs> if you have skill sets and uh, will to learn, you know, there's space for you. So a- after a couple trial and errors. I ultimately had some success in e-commerce 
and that's where it took off for me. Ended up acquiring a, a couple other small e-commerce businesses, some joint ventures in the space, and ultimately had some successes and, and some failures, learned from all of them. I met my partner, as you mentioned, in, in 2017. And great intro, by the way. I appreciate Thank that you. a lot of times. Thank you. It's just a, a first, last name and company name and let everybody else do the research. But right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so I met Alex and he had a background in software. Um, at the time, I didn't know much about that, but I was in e-commerce, uh, knew how to build funnels, digital marketing, paid search, social, et cetera. And foolishly, we thought getting into this space would be easy. Oh, there's not that many players. It's, We'll turn these businesses every couple of months. And the first six months was just so much learning and no profit and then put <laughs> money out there and marketing and, and just figuring it out brick by brick. And the questions we get, we realized sometimes we didn't have answers to. It's, you know, this is 2017, early sure. 2018, I suppose. And some of them we knew. We had been through the sales process ourselves individually, but not as brokers. And we learned a lot early on. And, and lesser extent still learning but you know i think one of the keys is, is having a partner not just people you enjoy working with but also people with complementary skill sets and it worked more as though he he would be the sales guy almost source deals for us and i'd create valuation packets um, justifications for the valuations list them on the market and then, and then together we'd uh, uh just really tag team the deal mm -hmm. uh, so you know our first couple fell through and and I guess we totally, weren't totally prepared. We probably shouldn't have taken them on as clients to begin with. It. But that's that's how you learn. You got to stumble Absolutely. a little bit. So we stumbled out of the blocks and ended up having some moderate success in 2018. Um, 2019 has been great, been very good. Uh, we go to a couple conferences. We learn more at each one. And we've been fortunate enough to meet other colleagues in the digital marketing space, uh, SEO, SaaS, page traffic, whatever it may be. Um, that's nice. uh, been a, a great centers of influence for us and, and we've gotten business from these conferences we've all learned a lot about marketing sales software e-commerce and uh, that's where we're at right now and now we brought on a third guy we're adding two more here in the next couple months and nice. uh, it's growing so it's new levels new devils it's it's always struggles in growth but we're excited about it it's uh we've come a long way and we're not done growing. Did you ever think when you first started online, you know, when you were doing e-commerce and saw some success there, did you ever think you would have a partner at that point? Or did you ever entertain the idea of having a partner? Yeah, that's a good question. E-commerce is, is very anonymous. You know, you're, you're selling widgets yeah. over the internet. Yep. You, you don't know who you're dealing with, really. Whereas a service business, especially one where there's better part of a million dollars trading hands a lot of the time. It's very personal and people really have to trust you and you really have to earn their trust. So one thing I learned with Alex was real good at is, is how to get in front of people, how to be genuine and open. I was always more shielded. I'd rather just send people a spreadsheet and ask them if they had an offer. And Alex was yeah. like, hey, you can't really do it that way. And so yeah. I learned a lot from him. I never planned on having a partner, but when I met him and, and we kind of bounced the idea back and forth, it made sense to, to have him as a partner and, and we're 50, 50. We're happy that way. And uh, I think it has made our business much stronger. That's encouraging to hear. I think that the good thing was like, you got a good feeling after meeting him. And then yeah. importantly too, there was those complimentary skills. So yeah, you know, yeah. that's good. That's I good. think that's probably awesome. especially beneficial for a 
a lot of your listeners and, and people in the SaaS space. Oh, you sure. Know, a technical founder might be a great JavaScript guy, but he may not be a great, might not have great personal skills. Um, met a guy who runs a very successful internet marketing business. He knows Google's algorithm inside now. It does great SEO. And he's like, yeah, my partner does everything on the front end. He has to know what I'm doing on the back end. I know what he's doing on the front end, but we don't touch each other's roles. Um, aren't quite that exclusive in our roles, but everybody has to find out what their skill sets are and what they gravitate towards, what they enjoy doing. And I think double down on that, find a partner with complementary skill sets. It's very beneficial for people in, in qualitative or technical uh, businesses like software. Sure. I usually ask what trends people are seeing in marketing and sales technology. And since you have this bird's eye view or not even just bird's eye view, but like an in-depth view into different online businesses and industries, you know, we can talk about SaaS or B2B or kind of any big trends that come up. But what are some things that you're seeing, these common trends or themes you're seeing in these businesses that are six and seven figure businesses. Um, mm-hmm. I guess we can, let's say, I guess we can start in the SaaS space or, or stay in the SaaS space. Yeah. yeah. I think in the SaaS space, and we actually just had a good conversation with a guy yesterday who runs a portfolio of SaaS businesses. Everybody's model is different, but this guy had built an interesting model, which is he just picks an industry, builds actually two or three complementary products in the same industry. Um, has an account manager that manages accounts for all three of them. He just builds the tool and and partners with a guy who does the sales for the you know the account manager who's a partner. Builds funnels. Um, you know, that their offering is a free trial, I believe, free thirty day trial. Um, that's just what works for him. He he doesn't touch the front end of the business. Now the sales guy uh, doesn't need to know, you know exactly how the code is configured, but has the ability to a lot of blogs, a lot of videos, how-to videos I, I think are great. Uh, YouTube is gaining market share over, uh, I want to say their competitor, Google, but of course they're on the same team um, mm-hmm. <laughs> in terms of the search engine. So a lot of these guys just build great how-to YouTube videos and affiliates. Uh, I think affiliates for SaaS are great because there are trusted authorities in many of these spaces. And uh, the lifetime value is typically so high SaaS business, yeah. SaaS business where you keep people for 24 months, 36 months, that it's worthwhile to give people an upfront commission when they, when they bring you um, paying customers, or even if they give you uh, trial subscribers, I know I convert 20% of these into paying customers. I'm willing to pay X. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the best SaaS businesses, and these are the seven figure ones more so than the six figure net, net income we're talking about, but, I think the seven-figure ones, they build, they do what's called trust stacking. So they'll have, if you go to, to their blog page, they have plenty of blogs built out. You go, you want videos, they have plenty of videos built out. Um, if you want a sales guy, they have somebody on the, the messenger bot who will message back and forth with you. When you leave, they're going to retarget you on Instagram and Facebook. It's, okay. it's, in fact, they're all over the place. And if, if make yourself available for help. If you want easy help, they have a frequently asked questions section. I think having all these increases your conversion rate, increases the trust people have in you, especially if you're a high dollar product, um, like most B2Bs are by nature um, more expensive than the B2C 
products. I think uh, having that degree of uh, commitment to your business um, increases your conversion rates. May mean hiring a sales manager. Uh, once as companies grow, I know SaaS people generally like to automate as much as possible. I think people still like to know that there's somebody that they can have a, a chat with. Absolutely. It's coming back in style. Yeah, exactly. When, uh, if, if something breaks, um, I appreciate that. I, I'm with oh, sure. Site Ground for hosting. And the reason I stay with them is just because I know I can get an answer 24 hours a day, seven days a week. If something's down, I hit the support channel. I, you know, if something breaks on the back end and my, uh, my files contact them and it's taken care of. That that uh, trust that they've built, uh, they've earned, has got me to refer probably half a dozen people over to them. I'm not an affiliate. Mm-hmm. Anything, it's just um, they've earned that. And uh, I, I still think even though software is it's less personal than other service businesses, I still think it's a benefit to have uh, a human touch. Yeah. There's some of the best products out there have are known for their great support in the software space. So this person who, you know, I, when I hear that, I'm like, okay, who, you know, who are you? Like, who, you know, who is this person who's just like, Hmm, let me just make these, you know, uh, products and complimentary products and then just make seven figures off them. So I know, obviously not asking who the person's name is, but you know, since you have eyes on businesses like these, what's most important in, when it comes to making a successful SaaS business, is it the market selection? Is it, you know, the product creation? Is it sales and marketing support? Like what is most important if someone's looking to get started or is interested in the SaaS space and what is thinking of a product? Like what's most important? Yeah. That's a good question. And um, I'll plead ignorance on some of the issues on of the areas, which is like market selection. Well, you know, I've never had to do that with a SaaS business. Ultimately, you know, for any business, it's going to be you're arbitraging the supply and demand. If you get mm. into a very, a very crowded market, um, red ocean, so to speak, there's uh, you're going to have a harder time getting people to convert. They're more likely to jump to a competitor. Um, they're going to expect a higher level of service. Whereas if you're the only person in a niche space, it might be a smaller ocean, but you might be the only player in it. Um, you might have stickier customers who are less likely to leave you. So while that's not my area of expertise, you know, I, I do see some startup entrepreneurs who, in SaaS space and others who want to gravitate towards uh, competing with Instagram for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think you're probably better served choosing a smaller niche. Absolutely. So, but to, to further answer your question, uh, I, I think it's important that they're passionate about whatever in- industry it is they serve, they're knowledgeable about it, and they're solving a problem. I think if they can do that and they get great reviews, they'll very likely have a productive business. The difference in the SaaS businesses we see that having long-term success and ultimately that sell for a great multiple and the ones that don't is they have had success over a number of years and therefore built reviews and a sticky customer base. And those go hand in hand. You know, you have low churn over 10%. You can bet when I go and look at the reviews that it's going to be 4.6 stars, 4.8 stars, et cetera. Um, And those businesses are sellable. And, Mm. you know, you may may not even want to sell it because you're going to get some great residual income on it as well. But um, 
you know, I bet if you wound the clock back three or four years and you looked at those founders, uh, my guess is they found a problem and were able to solve it with SaaS and then committed themselves to quality customer support in the form of either videos, blogs, and, and chats. Gotcha. So if I could boil so, it down simply, that's what it would be. So when these founders are starting, it seems like a lot of hand-to-hand combat. Like they are focusing on the problem in the market, serving that market, staying in communication with their customers and providing overwhelming amount of support through videos, articles, like you said, because you have to sell that customer every month, right? With SaaS and just building, just kind of scaling word of mouth, it seems, or just making an awesome product and making the product is so great that it just kind of spurs its own growth. doesn't seem like there's any real fancy Facebook ad to this super duper, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I really think that's true, especially in the B2B world where your customers oftentimes are in the same industry of business and they know one another, they're swapping secrets or, you know, I might pick up on the way one of my competitors does things and I might do it that way as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I was at an SEO conference last week and they were all talking about you know, what's a great tool to, to do this? One person gets up and, and raves about a software. I mean, it, it's a good bet that a dozen some odd people went home and signed up for it, or at least signed up for trials, and some of them will convert. Um, yeah, pleasing, yeah, I think Warren Buffett said it. He said, if I owned a business, it owned a customer service business, service business, I would constantly be thinking about how to please my clients. It's, if you do nothing else, Make your customers very happy. At some point, they'll, they'll be telling people and you'll be able to grow from there. That's really such a driver of marketing for a service business, customer service. How you treat your customers. Oftentimes, yeah. that gets pushed under the rug, but you're right. Word gets around, good or bad. It does. Bad word gets around. It's too competitive of a space. There's, there's too many founders who, who can do it. Um, if, if you found a good niche, but you have a bad product, um, it's going to turn into a lesson and not a successful business. Mm, makes sense. When we talked a little bit before the call about conferences, what advice would you give to people, whether it be salespeople, whether it be founders, you know, really anyone who's looking to sell more of their product or just, you know, network within their industry or, you know, what are the best ways to leverage conferences and, and how helpful have they been for you? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, conferences are very helpful for us. It, it's, I was skeptical about them. My, my partner raved about them. We gave them a shot. And sure enough, they were great. You know, the connection for us, and, and we're not a SaaS company, we're a true service business. We are selling our, ourselves as a service, us and our, our brokerage services. So, that, you know, these people have to like, know, and trust us. With SaaS, it's not that much different. They're still going to need to trust that your product, your, your service is going to save them time, save them money, uh, whatever your value proposition is, they have to trust that you can come through with it. Um, you know, they're not going to buy it just because they like you. It has to be right. something that's valuable. And I think also just listening to people and hearing what their pain points are. Uh, yeah. Many of these B2B SaaS products are in the business of solving a problem, uh, make, making something quicker, saving me time, saving me money. That is what many of these seek to do. So I think getting on the ground and actually talking to people 
and hearing what their pain points are um, gives people great insight into into how to build their product. Hopefully, insight yeah. from listening to podcasts like this does as well. There you go. I, I heard a um, an analogy before from an internet marketer named Ken McCarthy who talked about he gave the analogy of you know plugging up holes in the road, right? Like you said, there's so many founders who want to get fancy and build the next Instagram competitor, but you can make a lot of money and serve a lot of customers by just plugging up the hole in the road. Hey, you know, think about how many, you know, I'm in sales and I'm constantly using sales tools and Chrome extensions and stuff. I mean, I could name at least five off the top of my head, Chrome extensions or SaaS tools that just find somebody's email address or just pull somebody's LinkedIn data, like simple stuff like that, that people need because it saves them so much time. Um, Solves a problem, solves it well, you know, hey, this tool works really well, you know, and there's tons of room in the market or there's a lot of competitors in the market. So I like that. Yeah, trying to put yourself, trying to put yourself in your client's footsteps. What would you use if they were, if you were them and why? I think that's a, a tough practice, but one that, proves valuable to many people. Mm-hmm. What well, touching on conferences again, if someone's never been to a conference before, what's the right way to go to a conference to make sure you get the most out of it? Mm-hmm. I think most of the information today, and this is my take. I think most of the information is available online today's day and age. If you just want to learn something, there's a lot you can learn from trial and error, from YouTube, from Google. Um, you can do paid courses online much cheaper and do it at home dedicate more time to it the value in the conferences i think is just surrounding yourself with other people having dinner having discussions what's worked for them and why what tools work for them and why um, sharing your results ideally providing benefit to other people you'll end up gravitating towards people who can likely help you in some way and, and you can help them and in other ways, it's uh, people with complementary skill sets. You know, my partner and I met through networking here in L.A. But nice. we, we meet a lot of people overseas. Like I was just on a podcast the other day with uh, a great uh, SEO podcast. That led to three or four introductions. And ultimately, that, that all came not from listening to this guy's presentation at a conference a year ago, but it came from shaking his hand and, and chatting and having a beer together. So to me, that's the value. Um, for everybody, let alone for service providers, is to yeah. get to know other people in the space and, and hear their stories. Mm-hmm. It's funny because I know that people tell the truth at conferences too. Like if you're mm-hmm. talking to them one on one, you know That's they will right. tell you. You will learn some things that really open your eyes when you when you hear when you have discussions at conferences. It's it's pretty interesting because the online world is kind of like. It's a cer- I don't know how to explain it, but it's a certain type of way. You know, it's kind of like everything's good, everything's great. You know, this company did this, this company did that. Da, 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 da. And you're like, man, like when you go to a conference, you get the real story. There's, there's <laughs> it takes some unpacking to get to the truth. That's that's for sure. There's a duck that's pedaling really hard underneath the surface of the water. It looks like it's gliding. Yeah, right? that's right. Um, that's so it's true. I was gonna say uh, I've also heard from folks at conferences that they say, you know, I don't, I don't share this on stage. I don't, I don't share it on webinars or YouTube anymore because then people take it and claim it as their own, but they're willing to share it when you ask them about it one-on-one. 
We'll oh yeah. Chat with them over beer. <clears throat> They're willing to share a bit more, which I think is more valuable. Absolutely. Uh, and plus in, in your business, just in a sales point of view, I mean, if you're brokering six and seven figure deals, I'm sure people want to, a lot of times they want to be in person with you. They want to meet you, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So I want to give you some time to talk about upward exits. Um, we've talked about businesses within it and kind of things you've seen, but I want you to get the opportunity to, to really talk about you know, your business and, and how you help people. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for the, the opportunity. I touched on it a bit earlier about how we started it. I had a background in finance and then transitioned to e-commerce. My partner was in software. So we had the makings of what we thought would be a good brokerage firm. And then in the first uh, three to six months was just le- lesson after lesson after lesson and, and slap in the face after slap in the face. And um, we just learned so much from that and the decision to push through that, which I think every entrepreneur has to make at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what ultimately got us to our first, second close soon thereafter. And, and we've grown now. We've added a third person. We're adding a couple more here soon. So it's, I would just encourage people to stick with it. If they enjoy what they're doing, stick with it. If you don't enjoy it, it might be trying to try something else. But, uh, you know, the, the value we add, I think, to SaaS companies, to e-commerce companies is uh, at some point, whether now or in the future, many of these people will look to sell. You know, entrepreneurs are by nature very transient. They'll look to start one thing and grow it. And they, they've maybe accomplished that now. They've, they've checked that box. They've scratch that itch and they're on to the next thing. Um, and when they look to sell, they, we hope to be a trusted team that's, that's able to advise these people and, and help them exit their business uh, to other entrepreneurs, to investment companies, whatever it may be. So we've earned our stripes in this business uh, a little bit over the last two years. We're not the oldest player. We're not the biggest player, but uh, we're growing pretty rapidly. So I think we're doing doing some things right. Who is your ideal customer um, kind of beyond a, a revenue number or multiple that they're at? Is there anyone that your process fits extremely well with or fits the best with or anything like that, just in case someone's listening who kind of falls into that demographic? Yeah, yeah. SaaS businesses, you know, in the intro, you said over 100,000. It makes me realize we need to update our website because now it's we need the people who are doing 150k in profit. Pretty soon it'll be people who are doing 200k in, in net profit. Um, is who we work with, and uh, people who are at least two years old, clean books and records. In general, people who we enjoy working with. Some people come to us with a bunch of demands. Uh, typically, we're just not that interested in working with them. We, we like partners. We like handshake deals and possible get together at a conference and share a beer afterwards. Really, it, it comes down to who the person is as opposed to what their business is. Um, from a business standpoint, I, I think our niche in the half a million to 20 million range evaluation, you know, just the people in that space, we see some portfolio companies, some career changers uh, from the tech business who look to acquire s- software businesses. Uh, software lends itself to agglomerations and roll-ups. We see a couple of companies who, who buy out their competitors. We actually just spoke to a one who's buying, is hoping to buy some of their competitors the other day. Also search funds. There's a lot of post MBA guys who, who get seated with some money to buy software businesses. They also do distribution and some other business models that we don't touch so much, but they really like software businesses because of the ability to scale and the residual income. But uh, um, there's the long answer. <laughs> <laughs> 
So I imagine that a big channel for you guys is referral business. Yeah, you know, going forward, I think that's going to be our biggest channel. It's, um, now that we've learned how to do these deals successfully, we have uh, building a team that can scale. We think that we're going to be able to pour some gas in the fire and scale pretty rapidly over the next 12 to 18 months. Um, we're going to do some social marketing, some pay-per-click, uh, probably a little bit of SEO. We've gotten some referrals. We've also gotten uh, you know, a couple of people who are potentially buyers. Oh, by the way, we're also potentially sellers. Uh, maybe they were impressed with our, uh, with our process. But some of these holding companies that own five, six, seven businesses, they might be looking to buy and they might be looking to sell simultaneously. Mm. Uh, so I, I think just getting to know a lot of the people in this space and building relationships, whether it's a referral or just a conversation we had two years ago that's now people are ready to sell. It comes down to building relationships. Gotcha. Makes sense. Mark, where can people get in touch with you if they're interested in learning more about Upward Exits? Uh, Want to ask you a question or two about what you mentioned on the podcast. How's the best way for someone to get a hold of you? Sure, yeah. I always like uh, having good collaborative conversations, whether they're productive and lead to business or not. People are, can feel free to reach out to me. It's just mark at upwardexits.com. You could also reach us uh, just through the contact form on our website, upwardexits.com. Nice. All righty, Mark. Well, it's been so great talking to you and hearing about the just great point of view you have in the market based, you know, because of your business and because of your experience. So it was really good hearing about that and uh, really enjoyed speaking with you. Absolutely. Thanks, Morgan. For sure. And you have a great rest of your day. Hopefully we'll talk to you again soon. You as well. Take care. Yep. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of the B2B Sales Tech Podcast. If you love what you heard, be sure to head back to morgandwilliams.com and go over to the podcast page for today's show notes and a ton of additional resources. But before you go, hit the subscribe button to avoid missing out on the next value-packed interview. Enjoy the rest of your week and make sure to take action.